I want to welcome everyone to Athlete 911 Sunday Night Clinics. Athlete 911 Clinics are for our players and families and players around the country for the betterment of baseball, helping families and players on their roadmap of youth baseball. As always, this is a forum, positive, honest talk. Our agenda solely is about players and their families. Tonight, we are lucky enough to have as our guest, ex-Major League catcher, Dan Ardoin. Danny, I met, had the pleasure of being with many times, and besides being the fantastic person he is, he's a tremendous coach. I have in the past sent players to Louisiana to be with Danny just so I could get an honest evaluation of this player maybe has a chance to be a catcher or this guy, Butch, probably will not be able to handle the catching position. Just a very honest person. He he was a fifth-round draft choice in 1995 by the Oakland Athletics from McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana. He's grown up in the Texas Arcana area, Louisiana. He's a good old South boy, grown into the game, has a love for the game, and shares his insights to the game. May I introduce to you on the Athlete 911 Clinic tonight, ex-Major League catcher Danny Ordoin. Hey, Bush, Hello, thank Danny. you. Appreciate you having us on. Glad to have you here. Let's start with your career. If you could tell our the people that are on here tonight a little bit about you and about your career and just how your career went. Yeah, I, I may start a little bit uh, earlier just because um, a little bit of my baseball uh, story because being that we're going to segue into how are we going to – what's a good youth parent and how should parents – handle the situations they're going through with their kids. I think that's our agenda. So I'm going to tell you my story a little bit of where I came from. But I was a young boy that loved the game of baseball. I practiced signing my autograph when I started learning how to write in script. At eight years old, I had a ba- I still have a baseball my grandmother saved to this day that has a, the ball covered with my autograph practiced on. And uh, <laughs> that was my dream as a kid. And but I didn't get to play organized sports, and this is a great perspective, but I didn't get to play organized sports until I was 13 years old. I, I My mom wouldn't let me play. She told me I was too competitive. I needed to learn how to lose, if you can imagine. <laughs> I, I was a very competitive young man, so we'd put together ball games in the backyard. I'd go knock on doors uh, in the neighborhood, even of people I didn't know, and went to see if little Johnny could come out and play, and even if it was little Susie that could be strong enough to swing a bat. We let girls come in too, just to to get enough people on the in the yard to play. I got that first opportunity at 14, 13 years old, playing with fourteen year olds, and in organized sport. And I I made the all star team in my first year. I loved it so much. I just played it all the time, and I was at third base and. uh I was excited. I was the only third baseman working out, so I probably have a chance to start. And my coach comes over there, 
And he says, Danny, can you please tell me exactly where your house is? And I told him, and he says, you were supposed to be playing in the other rec league in Judice, and I was in what was called Scott, a rec league. And he said, if you play with us, you're going to disqualify the team, so we're not going to allow, be able to allow you to play. So my first year of organized sport, I make the all-star team. I'm going to be the starting third baseman, and I get pulled off the team because it would disqualify the team. And uh, I cried right there at third base. Jump start, go years moving forward, played at Sacred Heart of Ville Platte, a small little high school, like a 1A high school. And I had three junior college offers, no D1s, and nobody really knew about us. And, and uh, I was very fortunate and wind up signing with Coach Dave Van Horn in Texarkana, a junior college, and got drafted my freshman year. Even though I only had two, uh, three junior college offers, my freshman year of junior college got drafted. Sophomore year of junior college got drafted, and went to McNeese State and uh, played there for a year and, and got drafted again in the fifth round and signed. And uh, that jump started my professional career, fourteen years. But that road there was something of to be unique, and a lot of people panic, and you know they. They get worried whenever they're not getting their recognition. And anyway, mine came, and of course, I had to earn my way for, for 14 years professionally through the Oakland A's organization, which at the time I felt with one of the greatest baseball directors in the game. He taught us, and that organization taught their players the game as well as anyone back in the 90s and through the 2000s. It was it was really fun, and the knowledge of the game that those guys in Oakland taught us, and in of course, the other organizations you play for as you move through the years, you, you take up bits and pieces. But Oakland was really good at teaching the fundamentals of, of the game. <clears throat> Danny, before we talk about your family, you, you say something very interesting to me that I think will hit home with a lot of people that are on these calls. With COVID times, <coughs> a lot of kids that aren't getting the exposure that may be necessary. And you just talked about you went to a 1A high school, and you were only offered by three JCs, but then you ended up playing in the big leagues and being seen by everybody. Everybody has a different roadmap. Tell, you know, how your roadmap has affected you and the way your roadmap is for your kids now with baseball. The path that I've been given – because we all have our own path and in, in life and everybody can attest to that. And sometimes we don't like to accept it. And that's the toughest part, I think, is for people to really just set a self pride and accept the path that God is, is presenting to them and, and make the best of it. And, that's what I did. Heck, it didn't really matter to me whenever I was going. I didn't know any better at that way back then. You didn't know any better. You're just playing baseball, and this is the way that I was going to get to the big leagues. And that was my mission. I, there was no doubt in my mind since I'm eight years old that I was going to be a big league ball player. And not everybody, some people say it, some people think it, but I knew it. And, and some people say, well, it's easy for you to say now. Yeah, my eighth grade teacher 
was asking everybody who what they were going to do when they grew up, doctor, lawyer, fireman. And I was going to be a big league ball player. And she told me, she says, Danny, you, you have to be realistic. And because one day that's not going to be there for you. And uh, I showed her <laughs> another level of, of motivation. My kids, the same path has happened there. I've been blessed. I have four wonderful kids, a wonderful wife, three boys and a girl. And my oldest son, he was small in stature, uh, undersized, had to work harder than everybody else. And uh, he had to go to JUCO route, had one JUCO offer, did well, had some injuries, tore his labrum diving in an inner, inner squad game. And it, it slowed his path down, but wind up getting to play at Lamar for a couple of years and, and graduated in four years. And, and, Two years out of college, he's now a, a regional manager for a heavy equipment company, and uh, or uh, I, I'm sorry, not a regional manager, but a, um, a rental manager. And I'm getting married, by the way, this Saturday, so I'm fixing to have my first one out the house. But his path was was very hard and it was tough, and we sit uh, long nights across the dinner table, and tears, blood, sweat, and tears why it can't be me, why I can't do this, it's not fair. And really just when we started to just take the path that we've been given and use this road of baseball, this gift of baseball to, to develop him into the best young man he could be, it just took off. His life's taken off. He's a professional. It's not a baseball player, but he's going to be a professional and he's going to be a great father and a great husband. And you would think a guy that played 14 years that all he would live for is, is the game. And uh, I found personally that I just use this game as an opportunity to parent my kids and to be a father and a leader to put them in the best position possible to be the best man or wife or husband that they can be or parent. And I hope that the times that we use these failures in baseball and the successes, because we've had a lot of success in this game, that it's going to mold them into a quality human being. That's awesome stuff. Let me let me ask you this um, for your wife, Hope. I got that name. right. Oh, yeah, that's right. OK. Being a, a wife of a big leaguer and then having your own kids and Aaron being a really good softball player who's at McNeese State now, Silas who's at University of Texas and should be a high draft choice this coming year, and now the success Sam's having, how does she deal with everything? Because every baseball, most every baseball player has a mom, and how has she dealt with their successes, their negatives, uh, how has she mothered, how has she been involved in their baseball uh, run? I guess we have the ultimate compliment because as you would think, as as athletic as our family is that I played professional sports, you think my wife was at least a pretty good high school player or athlete, and she didn't play any sports. (laughs) She, hell, she was pep squad, cheerleader type stuff. (laughs) <laughs> she 
not much of a competitive bone in her body when it comes to a- athlete, the athletic side, but she is very competitive when it comes to her family. And that's what has been the backbone, you know, of our home. Sometimes she keeps that balance, uh, of course, with dad can be over the top with focus and determination and consistency and all those things. And, and sometimes she lets me know, hey, it's okay for them to be normal. And so that's where her her qualities come into play to create the perfect balance in our home. That's a great answer. And I, I, what I want to know from you is being the winner that you are and the competitive person you are, how, what has been, we have many parents that are listening to this talk and what are the things that you have seen in your run and now your kids runs, what are the things that are, should be the consistence and the things that people should do to try to live the dream that you've gotten to live? You have to have God-given ability. If, and if you don't have that, you have to try to maximize whatever ability you have to make yourself the best player that you can be. I mentioned before, through that journey of trying to make yourself the best player, you're going to make yourself one heck of an individual if you approach it with some balance and with good perspective. But to get to that level, it's 24-7, and it's you eat, sleep, drink, breathe it. It's your life. Do you play just baseball? No. Do you, you play just football? No. You want to be a multi-sport, but at some point – when it's time to focus on what you're really going to do, you got to start putting that extra layer in there. And my kids, I'm not saying we had the, the perfect, everybody has their own path. I mentioned it. My kids played multi-sports, but once they got to the high school level, they started to trim down on all the sports. And eventually, you just sophomore, your junior year, once they realized maybe I'm, I'm good enough to play at the next level, they started really you know, focusing in on the baseball side. That was the way we did it. That was our approach. Everybody's a little bit different, but you do have to find a balance in, in all that. And determination, if you don't have determination and the will to succeed, but also be able to overcome the failure, you might need to find another game to play because this game will eat you alive inside and out and not just the player, the parent, and especially at a younger age, I think it impacts more of, of the dad or the mom or both more than the kid. And that's something that's important for us to recognize and let, let the nature take its course, so to speak. Danny, tell, tell me how, how do, how would you recommend to people that aren't having success, that have been successful, then hit a rut where they don't have success and they're just clawing and fighting. What would you recommend to parent? Because we care about our kids. We love our kids. We want the best for our kids. We're competitive. You just talked about it, how it affects the parents more. What are things that you think parents can do so they don't 
get to that pressure point where they start maybe becoming very negative? You got to be real with yourself. You got to be real with your child and the way that you see your child versus maybe what they are as a player. And where are we focus? Where are we putting all of our focus? Are we putting it on just little Johnny is going to? Are we going to be able to post on on social media his commitment? Is that our end game? And or what is the end game? And is it going to college? Is it making the high school team? Is it going to college? Is it playing pro? Or is it? Am I trying to raise a fine young man or young lady? And when you start feeling that pressure, I really think it's important to take a step back and put things in perspective of what is important in life. And we lose that perspective when we compete. Sometimes we start competing and we lose the perspective of what is important. And it's the same thing when you get on a baseball field or a football field or basketball court. You have to win with class. You have to lose with dignity. And the people that lose that perspective look like maybe the guy we saw walk off the football field tonight. And that's, you got to keep, you got to keep everything just in balance and pay attention to what's important in the end game. And what is that? Recognize what the end game is and get, try to focus in that direction. That's great. That's great uh, advice. Now you have a daughter that apparently you call the best athlete in your family. How has your development with her been different from Drew Silas's Sam's? A complete opposite. So my daughter played softball for social purposes only. She just wanted to be a part of a team and go have fun and eat snow cones and go on road trips and hang out. And of course, she'd always bat lead off and play center field, and everything. Everything just came really easy and natural to her. In fact, she didn't. I never worked with her until her sophomore year of high school. She wouldn't let me. She just had the local contractor uh, coaching her up, really, and uh, everything came came pretty uh, natural. But whenever she started realizing that time was going to come to an end she got a little more serious her junior and senior year of softball. And we didn't travel a lot. We didn't go across the country. We stayed more local. She played in good competition, not the elite that you may go and do, you know, all over the Midwest and, and out West towards you guys. Maybe if she did, she might be at the biggest school or whatever, or she might not be playing anymore yeah, because she'd be burnt out. And, uh, I think it wasn't that important. The game wasn't that important to me for her. It was just me being her dad and making sure that I'm giving her the best, you know, advice I can as a father. And, uh, heck, she just finished her first semester in, in college and she went out, out there and I don't think she realized how much she loved the game until this past semester. And uh, she's fallen in love with the game of softball as a freshman in her fall semester of college. The sky's the limit for her. Is she going to play pro? That's not her ambition. Her ambition is just to make some lifelong friends through her journey and uh, get a degree while she's at it. And she's very fortunate to play in a good program where they, they teach discipline, they teach focus, 
and they have high demands, but it, it, it prepares them for the next step in life. And so it's been really cool, but she is, she's, she has a chance to be very good, you know, and she's really applying it now. That's awesome. Let me ask you a question, uh, Danny. Every family does it different, <laughs> but so many families are looking for advice and help. The showcases, the events to go to, exposure. What did you, obviously, your kids are son, sons, daughters of an ex-big leaguer. They're going to get attention. People are going to people are going to find them. But for these kids that don't get that kind of attention, what do you feel is really necessary so people can spend their money smart? And I know it's different for everybody, but what would be the the recommendations or advice you would give as a father that's had four kids? Yeah, our paths path as a family is a little unique we didn't do a lot of showcase we weren't ranked because we didn't go to events we didn't pay for ranking all of a sudden you commit to university of texas and your ranking goes up but you've never been to one of those events so it's fun unique but the kids like the rankings what does that mean it means you got to be a parent and let them know that what what the true meaning of all that is because Nobody remembers what you were ranked whenever you go to after you go to college. Nobody remembers any of that when you're in the big leagues. Um, I don't think anybody knows what Mike Trout's ranking was in Perfect Game or PBR or whatever other events that may be out there. But there is a balance, and that's a, I guess the theme tonight. But one night I was sitting in the stands uh, watching a high school game. Andy Canazera, who um, was at the time, he's he was a recruiting coordinator for LSU, was at, at our game watching one of the players. And I, I asked him, and Cy was probably a freshman, eighth grader freshman. Andy, I said, uh, at what point do you think you should send your boy or your kid to a, a showcase? And he said, whenever they have a tool that they can showcase. And I, I said, duh, that makes sense. And that's what I was thinking, but you get caught up in all of it and you're like, well, they need to see him develop and grow. Guess what? They're not going to see him develop and grow because they're not watching him. He's, if he's behind the plate and he's throwing 72 miles an hour and his pop times a two, four and he's five foot four, 130 pounds, they're not watching him. So you're wasting your money and your time and, I want to give my kids some exposure and, and see what it, what he needs to do to get better. Nah, your kid already knows what he needs to do to get better. He don't need to go to that to be discouraged even more. It's a fine line. I had a parent last night or night before, and he was asking me about a kid. He's a kid that's going to play on my team. He's a catcher. He was asking me if he should go to this certain event this week. And I said, no. I said, he's not going to get signed at it. I said, I think what we need to do is just focus on his high school year. Let's keep developing, getting better. His time's going to come this summer. Now, this is a, a 23, so he's going to be going into his senior year. The summer before his senior year, he's not committed. But the kid can play, and I think he's a, I think he's a, I think he's a D1 catcher. I really do. But his timing is different than some of the other kids the, that say on my team. We have – 
a pile of Power Five commits, and we have a, a number of D1 commits, and but we still have three or four kids that are not committed that I feel are D1 players. But their time and their path is different, and it's going to happen. It's just a matter of development. It's a matter of the right school, seeing them, getting them the right, with the right fit. The showcase, I think there's a place for it. I think that they do when they have the skill set to go and show off their skills, because that's what a showcase is, showing off your skill. If you have a if you have a, a tool, go do it. But if you're committed, I don't know, do you go do it just to raise your ranking? I don't that's to each their own. If they, they have the time and the money and they want to go and do that, that's fine. But I had a superstar, great guy, uh, Mark McGuire. I was in spring training one day and very blessed. I was very blessed with a strong arm and uh, I was throwing and he came and he grabbed Mark McGuire's attention. So after practice, he came to him. He says, Hey, you ice your arm. I'm like, no, I don't ice my arm. It don't hurt. And he told me, he said, you need to take care of that thing. He says, it's a gift. He says, and there's only so many bullets in it. And, uh, and that stuck with me. So I started taking care of it, but I learned as I got older that different ways of taking care of my body. But I guess you have only have so many bullets. And if you look at today's kids, these this day and age, there's more injuries than you've ever seen. And I think that it is a product of maybe going to one or two extra events that you might not need to go to or you're not prepared to go to. Don't go to an event, even if you have the tool, the arm tool, but you haven't been throwing. Don't go over there and show your arm off and blow it out if you're not prepared. I think there's a time and place for those type of events. I think that they can be beneficial from time to time, but I don't think it needs to be every event. And I don't think that you need to go if you're not uh, ready. That's great advice. The other thing that I would recommend also is find a couple of mentors as a parent. Find a couple of mentors and don't just put your kid in there. Find people that you trust. If if your kid plays for Butch, talk to Butch about, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What's your thoughts? The high school coach, if you you trust that, that coach's opinion, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What's your thoughts? Is he ready for that? And I think using a couple of other people's input and then making your own solid decision is, is a very good approach. I've had people ask me something. I give them my opinion. They still go do it. That's okay. It's fine. But at least they're getting some insight before just going blind. That's fantastic information. And that's, I think that's the whole point of what we're trying to do in, with Mentors of Baseball and with these talks is let people see that hey, we do, all of us listen and we're trying to get better so we can do things that are going to help our kids. So speaking of helping your kids, I was lucky enough to see Silas when he was young and I saw him in Houston. And your attitude was, uh, yeah, he'll develop into what he's going to develop into and we'll see what happens. And very nonchalant and what is your intensity with Silas? Because we see what he's turning into. We see where he's probably going to go to. But what has been your approach with Silas? And then we'll talk about Sammy. I always tell my kids this from my oldest son, Drew, to 
my through my daughter and even Sam, Cy, you're going to have to pull me off the couch if you want to go get better. If I have to, hey, you ask you if you're ready to go hit or if you want to get a lesson or if you want to do this and that, we're in trouble. You don't, you're not going to make it at the level you want to make it. So you have to pull me to the batting cages. Shoot, that was a big mistake because I found myself in the batting cages till 10, 30, 11 o'clock every night <laughs> for the last, I don't know, however many years it's been. And that's not doing lessons, paid lessons. That's with my own. So it, it, it's been them to drive the bus. It, it's up to them to be great. I'm a resource to them, and I, I try to give them everything I can. If I don't, I try to put them with someone. I think the same thing would apply to a parent and a kid that if they're getting lessons, if they're getting someone else because that parent or, or coach is not – they've passed up their knowledge, you know, and, and every, every kid passes up their, uh, their parents, uh, level of, uh, knowledge of the game. I think the kid needs to be the one that is saying, Hey dad, Hey mom, I want to go hit with coach a or coach B. They need to drive that process. Not the parents saying, Hey, you want to go hit with this week? If they're not asking or not demanding it, well, there's going to be a lost investment there. There really will be. So it's up to them to push that. And sometimes maybe the kid needs a little nudge. You know that they love it. Their focus is, especially in our kids these days, they, they tend to have a lot of distractions. And so it's our job to keep them focused a little bit. Hey, even with me now, I don't do a lot of coaching with Cy. He comes home and I'll flip balls and he'll hit and I'll ask him questions and try to learn from him. We're very blessed to have Troy Tulowitzki as the his hitting coach at the University of Texas, so that's you know a plus. But on the catching side, I may give him a couple of tidbits for him to work on it and he takes it to the next level. In high school, he just he called me after practice. They'd be done. Hey, you coming to the cage? And I go meet him, and we stay in the cages another hour and a half after high school practice. We get home at nine thirty, ten o'clock, eating dinner, and that's where that extra twenty pounds starts piling on your belly. But eating dinner at eleven o'clock at night. But yeah, that's that's been the path with Cy. He's driven. He's driven that that road. It hadn't been me to drive him. Um, what? Danny, let me ask you a question, uh, like with Silas now, that how has his workout regimen changed from when he was in high school to now at University of Texas? I mean, I remember, I, I want to say when I saw him, he was about five foot nine, 150 pounds, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, he was small, yeah. And, and now he's five foot eleven, two hundred and fifteen pounds. The starting catcher at University of Texas, one of the best programs in the country. Yeah. What has been the change that you have seen from the way he went about his business in high school to the way he goes about his business now that may help these kids that are on this call that are potential division one players that are looking to go to the next level or any level, J C wherever they yeah. end up. Yeah. Butch, I'll tell you this. We 
never used any extra curricular stuff, maybe a little bit of creatine from time to time, but the SARMs and the, all the extra stuff that, that kids get on, we didn't try to keep up with the Joneses and it was hard. It was really hard when you talk about that work outside and kids being more physical. That was another with Cy was another dining room table tear blood sweat and tears nights many nights him crying he at 12 years old he was one of the best players in the area 13 14 he was a late bloomer he hadn't he didn't hit puberty you swear he didn't hit it till he was in college but he didn't hit puberty until he was 17 years old 16 17 and all these other kids were bigger faster stronger overnight and he went from being the one of the better players on the team to one of the worst overnight. And uh, that was difficult. That was difficult. And uh, it motivated him. He, he worked, but uh, we had to be patient with the process and he'd lift as hard as he could. He'd run, he'd do everything he could, but it was mother nature hadn't kicked in yet. And it took some time. Now, by the time he was a senior, he started to develop. And I knew that. Look, he was he didn't have any interest from D1 colleges or JUCOs until going into his junior year. And uh, I talked to Nolan Kane, and, who was a recruiting coordinator at LSU at the time. And they had these high-ranked catchers committed since they were eighth-grade freshmen at, at LSU. And... Uh, there was two or three of those guys over there, and uh, you know there may be one left catching uh, as of today. But I told Nolan, I said, Nolan, I was like, let me ask you this. And it's hard for a recruiting, and I, and I understand Nolan's side as well. But I said, if you knew that you had potentially maybe a fifth rounder out of LSU his junior year, would you sign him? He says, hell yeah. I said. And this was when Cy was probably 15 years old. And uh, I said, that's what you're going to get with him. I said, look at him. He's not going to be that size whenever he's a man. He's going to be, he's built just like me. He looks like me. I said, all the skill set is there. Obviously, the strength and everything else wasn't. Yeah, Danny, he was being nice about it. He's probably thinking I was an idiot saying all that stuff. But I knew that, I knew Cy's work ethic. I knew his makeup. I knew his character and his determination and I knew that once his body kicked in all that other stuff would be there and ready to roll and it took time and he got to Texas we were looking at pictures just the other day and said dad look how small I was as a freshman at Texas and he was still a baby he was 5'10 5'11 he grew an inch while he was there 5'11 and he was 185 190 and then all of a sudden maturity kicked in and uh, was, he finally started growing a little bit of facial hair and armpit hair <laughs> while he was in college. But I knew that path because I, I was the same guy. And remember, if you go back, I was three junior college offers out of high school. I was six foot, 170 pounds and out of high school. So I knew what he was going to you know, grow into. And all of my kids are the same thing. They all grow late. It was just being patient with the process, trusting the work while keeping a good work ethic and just allowing our path to develop. 
And that's what's important for each and every one of us as parents and as players is to recognize what our path is and be patient with the process while surrounding ourselves with the right mentors. Good stuff. Let me ask you this question. You've been in baseball your whole life, and we talk about a, a lot about the kind of conditioning that the players have to do to get themselves ready to play day in and day out. Obviously, it's different in high school. Maybe they're playing three games a week, where in college they might be playing five. Then they get the pro ball, they start playing every day. What is your recommendation? Say, if you can start in like November for a player and go through the go through the year, what has been something that's worked for you as being a major league player, and you know what you've watched and done with your own boys because. A lot of these people are in the same situations with their own kids. Yeah. You put a timestamp of a November, even an October. I think that the fall months, and this is my own opinion, and it, it, it applies to each individual a little bit different. But I think the fall months are a great time to take off from the game of baseball. I think that... If you're an outdoorsman, go enjoy the outdoors. Allow your body some time to recover, to balance out, the, allow the muscles to balance out. Train more on in the weight room, on your diet. Pay attention to that. Create some habits there where you can focus on eating. Kids don't eat like they should. I, we had a one thing that helped Cy along the way of growing in his last couple of years of high school before he went to college was I mentioned to my wife this. I said, Hope, breakfast is so important. We have to find a way to get our kids to be more consistent with eating a quality breakfast. And she's like, why do you say that? Of course, she didn't say it as nice as I just did. But <laughs> she's like, she's like, I said, well, here's the perspective. Let's just say that Sam or Cy or wake up in the morning, 20 minutes before they got to get in the car to go to school. They grab a glass of orange juice and a, a granola bar. Said they go to the school from 8 o'clock till 4, let's just say. They eat one of them crampy, crappy school lunches, or if you made a couple of sandwiches with some uh, a bag of chips, they ate that. Okay, so from 8 to 4, they ate a sandwich and a bag of chips, a little granola bar on the way. I said 4 o'clock, or let's just say 3 to 4, they're working out for f baseball. And then 4 o'clock, they do practice on the field and get home at 6.30, 7 o'clock. What have they eaten all day long before they eat a good meal at 7 o'clock? And she's like, nothing really, a, a sandwich and chips. I said, exactly. But yet, we're telling our kid that he needs to put more muscle on his shoulders and grow a back and get his legs bigger and his butt bigger while he's lifting. There's The body has no fuel. And uh, so it was an aha moment for her. The next thing you know, she's waking up in the morning and she has eggs over medium cooked with bacon and toast and every morning. And then leftovers from the night before are put in little 
to-go boxes and they're warming up steak or uh, hamburgers or whatever it is for lunch at school. Now, all of a sudden, they got quality breakfast, quality, quality lunch, a little snack before practice, and then a good meal at home. That was tremendous in, in the body and in the development. The nutrition is important. So jumpstart that, getting back to your original question of, I think that off season is very important to create habits of eating and training the body, lifting. So that October, November, December, down south, it gets kind of cold and wet come December, January. I know in California, it's always beautiful. I lived there before and the weather is phenomenal. And you can play year-round. It's easy to, but I think that there's a time where you, if you take a step away from it, there's a lot of positives to it. One, the body heals and recovers. Two, when you come back, you have a burning desire to get back into the game, and you're you're on fire for the game of baseball. Our, and, and I think that there's something to be said about that, whereas, and you lose some of the bad habits that, you may pick up whenever you're playing and grinding day in and day out because this game is a grind. It'll beat you up every day, all day, and twice on Sunday. So getting a little bit of away from it, it's, it's going to it, – it, it lights that fire up. And I made my kids go two months without touching a bat and a ball, and, boy, it would eat them. Dad, I can't go. Nope, go shoot basketball, go throw, go throw the football, whatever, do something else. Let's go hunting. Let's go fishing. So we just took a, te- took a step away. That was our approach. Now, I will say this past year with Sam, he didn't play a lot of high school ball. I didn't think he got the reps he needed. <clears throat> so we did the whole summer routine. And then we did play fall. We did two tournaments in the fall with Sam because I felt he needed more experience, game experience. And we got those reps in, a couple more games, eight to ten more games with some focus, some areas of focus I wanted him to, to pay attention to. And uh, we used that, but we didn't we didn't wear it out by any means. So I think there's some balance there. So you get into – I like to treat the high school, me personally, because I've coached the high school level as well. My own opinion is I like to treat it like spring training where – Six to eight weeks prior to the season is when you start ramping up and you build up to kick off the season. For over here, our high school season will start late February, early March. You may be off September, October, November. You start to kind of get into it. December, January, February, you're, you're ramping up. Okay, let me – that's good stuff. Let me ask you about – Let's talk about dealing with, I don't want to say failure, but I, I think it's awesome that you got to play a 14-year career at Major League Baseball. Five or six of those years were truly spent in the big leagues and not as an everyday player. What, how can you, how can kids, there's some kids, you know, in high school programs, They'll play their seniors and the juniors might be better, but they sit because that loyalty to the program and that's just the way some coaches do it. How how, you were a guy that was always battling. I saw you play in the big leagues. You could really throw, you could really catch. 
but how did you deal with and how would you recommend kids deal with not getting to play all the time? You're not going to go four for four after – heck, it's hard enough to go four for four if you play every day. The biggest mistake that young professionals and young athletes make is they try to impress and try to win a position in one day, and it's not going to happen. And the only the only piece of advice that I would be able to give with dealing with that is bring – what you're good at every day bring what the coach knows he's going to get from you every time you get a chance to get in the end even if you're not in bring what you're going to bring what you're going to bring every day i was on a big league team because of my catch and throw skill so i need to make sure that when i got in there that coach was going to get what he expected he's going to expect me to catch my butt off manage my pitchers throw a runner out if uh, he goes, if I'm given the chance, at least give a, a good throw down there and just be consistent at what I do well. And that way that coach knows day in and day out what he's going to get. I made, a, I made mistakes as a young player trying to do exactly what I said not to do. And that's how I know is you go and I'm getting a chance to play today and tomorrow. I'm going to show him that I deserve to start on this team. Guess what? I get a ball that goes between my legs and the runner scores. I I strike out two times where off of a pitcher that really was a good matchup to me for me. And all I needed to do was stay with my swing up the middle. But I try to hit two home runs and I wind up striking out instead, trying to impress my coach. Those two days aren't going to get me in the lineup. Over time, if I'm consistent at being just excellent at what I'm good at. That's what gets you in the lineup. And uh, that that's the only piece of advice I can say is just stay ready, work hard every day, and when you get in there, give the coach what he expects you to give him, nothing more. It's awesome advice. What's a good teammate, Danny? Heck, a good teammate is just one that is, is in it to win it with his with the guy next to him. He don't care about anything else, but if the team wins and whenever they fail, he's right there understanding that what failure I've failed to and just be there for that person. That's all we can do. That's all we can do is just be there for the next person. As a coach, as the next player, as ex big leaguer, what are the things that you look for that has to be a given when you're, a kid is on your team and, and really talks to you about giving you the mouth service that he wants to be this and that and this. But what are the things that are, that have to be constants for you so these kids know that it's probably the same thing their high school coaches are looking for? My favorite players are the ones that show up to the field ready to play. We have a rule on our team. We don't have many rules. Be on time, which on time for us is about 15 minutes early, and usually our kids are an hour and 15 early. But be on time, come ready to play. What does that mean for our team at Team Louisiana? They're dressed. I tell them when you had when you had the hotel and you put that jersey on, that is your switch to say to start preparing for the game. It's not I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. I got 
a small window today that I got to get ready. So I'm putting this jersey on when I'm at home or I'm at, at the hotel, and I show up ready to play, full uniform, tucked in, just like the first pitch is fixing to happen. That same player is going to leave the field the same way, shirt tucked in, just like the first pitch is fixing to happen. When he gets to his car, he can do whatever he wants. That's one of the rules. That player, one of my favorite players, you know, my favorite players are the ones that follow the rule and they respect the rule. And when they start respecting the rules, they respect their coach and they respect their teammates. And if we have players that respect one another and respect their coaches, and what does that mean? It's not being afraid. It's when you walk up to the dugout, hey, coach, how's it going? Eye to eye contact. You acknowledge the person that you just cross. You acknowledge your teammate whenever you walk by him. That's it. That's all it is. That's what I look for in a player because everything else takes care of itself. The givens of hustling on the field, hustling off the field, that's a given. That just shows your character. And But that all starts with respect. So if I can have a, a young man that's respectful but also wants to compete, that's all a coach can ask for. That's great information for these guys. Dan, a couple more questions. If anybody else has a question, please uh, shoot it up here, and I will get you on to ask real quickly. Dan, as you look at kids nowadays compared to when you played, what's the biggest difference? I think that our kids today worry too much about the show. What they look like, how are they perceived? Why are the social the social media has created that? That's what we live in. It's not going to change. My youngest son is 17 years old and he likes to be pretty. Completely opposite of my oldest son who's a dirtbag and will um just he don't care what he looks like. He just wants to go and kick your butt. But not to take away my young son. He will want to kick your butt as well, but he wants to look pretty doing it. The biggest thing that I, I try to teach him, and this is my own challenge, and, and even with our team, is do what's right all the time, not some of the time. Do what's right when nobody's looking. And I promise you, you will look way better than you can ever dream of looking. And um, if you could take that approach and just let the looks take care of itself, let the accolades, let the compliments just happen. Don't live for those things. And I think our kids today tend to live for the compliment instead of staying focused on the goal and, and, the, and the prize. I think that it that would be the best piece of advice I can give the young men and young ladies is just, man, if you want something, keep your focus on that and try not to get distracted. It's awesome. And the last question, and I want to thank you so much for being on here tonight. What's the same advice you could give to parents while they're going through this tough road, amateur youth baseball, what is, what is one bit of advice you would give them so they could love and enjoy their son and not get so, you know, wrapped up into it? Man, it's it's so hard because it's our kids. And Hope and I, we, 
our, and I can only speak from just my own experiences and I'm a coach as well. And I, I do separate myself from that and, and try to see that side from a coach's perspective, but we've has, we've been very blessed uh, in our family. We have four kids that are playing division one have that are going to play. Sam still has two years, but he's committed to Texas and played division one sports. And we've stayed very humble through this process. But on the flip side, some people may look at that as, oh, they don't even say nothing. They just know they're that good. You're not going to make everybody happy. Stay true to yourself. Stay realistic on what's the big picture and what, 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 what's the end game. Remove the sport from it and really focus in on raising the kid the best that you can, your kids the best you can. And if you can keep that focus, everything else, it will relieve you. It will relieve you of, of all the other stuff. It will relieve you of the social media, the perception era. We live in a perception era. You go on Facebook and everybody shows how great life is, but let's be real. We all have our challenges and we all go through failures and we never put those things on Facebook. And I just think if we can keep our focus on what the end game is for us as parents with our kids, where we want, we'd like to see them get to, and it don't have to always be uh, the University of Texas. We'll be blessed in the long run. Who knows what it'll be, but I think you'll be proud. Shoot. My oldest son's getting married this Saturday, and he played D1 baseball and Juco baseball and shoot. All that stuff, it don't even matter. And that, I think that's the perspective, you know, that I would recommend taking. It's outstanding. Danny, I just want to thank you for tonight. Uh, 100% gold. Loved having you on here. I've been lucky enough to know you for a few years now. And just your humbleness and your kindness to all people and the way you treat people, it would be a, a great model for all of us in baseball to follow. So I really appreciate you being on here. I appreciate y'all having me. Heck, we uh, we do our best every day. It's nobody's obviously nobody's perfect and we all make our mistakes but boy you can learn and if you you learn from them you just make yourself a little bit better every day and it, it it's pretty awesome i think you're doing a good thing here a great thing bush this is really neat what a resource to families what a resource to the game of baseball that's something that that's needed these days especially these days the, the more education that we can get out there, I think that the better that we can all be as for our country, our world. Heck, we in, we in those times and, hey, we pulling together, but using baseball as a platform to do it is pretty cool. Y'all doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you and I wish your son and the best of luck in his mar- marriage, marriage and for you and Hope and Aaron and Silas and Sam, nothing but the best. Okay. Thank you all for having me on there. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Danny.